0: What's going on. Cape Christian, Halloween weekend. How are you doing? What's up, Church Online? Everybody say, hey, Church Online. We love you guys. Yeah, hey, Church Online. So glad to have you with us. Uh, I'm glad you're here. I I hope you caught the announcements. I will say this, uh, whether you're online or in person, if you missed it. Uh, at the beginning, we're going to take communion at the end of service. And so if you did not get one of these when you walked in, just throw your hand in the air uh, and the usher will bring it to you. If you are online, even if you don't have grape juice or a cracker, grab a goldfish, a cup of water, do something so you can participate with us at the end. God sees our heart. That's what the Bible tells us. Um, uh, so, hey, I'm, I'm, before I finish the series, I want to talk about just all of the exciting things that we have an opportunity to be a part of uh, coming into the holiday. Jordan outlined a lot of them in the video announcements online. You guys got what's going on for you guys as well. But we here at Cape Christian, we love the Thanksgiving Christmas time for so many reasons. But one of them is because we love to bless our city, bless our community. And we know that we are blessed. Any blessings that we have is not just for us, but it's that so that we can be a blessing to those around us. And so There are so many opportunities for you to be a part of being, a part of somebody else's Christmas or holidays and and really helping them to, to, to experience those blessings, to know God. And so whether that's through Cape Christmas, which we're doing meals for families, both for Thanksgiving and Christmas, whether that is uh, helping out at the Holiday Festival of Lights for our city. Um, The Haiti meal packing is a big thing. I can't wait to be able to serve Haiti. As well as we've been talking about the last few weeks, our first ever annual winter Christmas village right here in our very own park, which is gonna be amazing. And listen, I'll just tell you this right now. There's so many great things happening here in our church and this is going to to require all of us. We never, ever set out to be the type of church where the pastors do all the work. It's unbiblical, it doesn't honor God, it doesn't honor you. The Bible says that we are to equip the saints to do the ministry alongside of us, and that we're all called to love God and love people, amen? And so we want want to give everybody that opportunity, and so um, with Cape Christmas, there's a lot of opportunities, but this Christmas village, we are getting a little nervous. It's getting way bigger than we realized before it even started. Uh, People I've never met are like, are you the pastor that's doing the skating rink? And I'm like, how do, who are you and how do you know that? So um, I want to talk about Christmas Village for one quick second because we've done all the math, everything's set up, everything is ready to go live this weekend. And so here's what we're going to need to make it 25 days every night. The park's going to be open to the entire city. We are going to need 432 volunteers every single week uh, through the entire uh, three and a half weeks to make this happen with a total of 4,294 volunteer hours. That is going to be required for us to serve our city. So we need all of you to help sign up. The sign up is live, so we've already bought a website called capechristmas.com, capechristmas.com, and you can get all kinds of information. There's also that QR code. I'm telling you, if you have a phone right now and zoom your camera out there, it'll give you all the information right there. Um, so we need, we need you to sign up, and I would jump on it early, so that way you can pick the nights and the days that work for you Um, What I don't want to do is just come up here and like, come on, guys, we need you. I know you're all about it. There's so many. We had over 100 people turn out just to help build stuff, which was incredible. Uh, And so this is going to be a great time. What can you expect? Um, We're going to do the first weekend. We're going to have a craft fair in our parking lot. We have 48 different vendors for that. Uh, every single night, there's going to be a movie on a 40-foot movie screen out in the park with fires and s'mores. There's going to be hay rack rides. There's going to be reindeer games. Uh, we have an 1,800-square-foot ice skating rink where you can rent skates and, and, and skate as well. And so the skating is going to be one of the big draws. And so we have 8,940 tickets available for the 25 days for ice skating. So that's how much you, ice skating we're going to be doing um, and so the only thing that's going to cost is the ice skating rentals. And what we're going to do over the next couple weeks is anybody from Cape Christian, if you call Cape Christian home, that you are going to get 50% off of your skating uh, rentals. If you will just use the code FAM21. I think it's up behind me or it's coming up somewhere. Uh, FAM21, uh, this, the ice skating. It was supposed to be there. Anyway, uh, so that's what's happening. Also, we want you to tell everybody you know. We, this is, this is a, an opportunity for us to serve the city. So out in the lobby, uh, for those of you who are in person, when you walk out to your left, we have postcard size and business card size. Put them up at your gym, put them up at your place of work, hand them out to your neighbors, put them, give them to the, the, the people that don't even know you. This is all kinds of opportunities. It's going to be going every day uh, for the next 25 days. And we also have a plan to bless all of the neighbors around here because we know what's about to happen to this neighborhood. And, and so we're going to help them get excited about it as well or at least try. We're going to thank them. We have gift baskets, and uh, how can we serve you? So, uh, But listen, we, we, are just, we are unbelievably just passionate and committed to blessing our city and doing something for other people, and it's the best way to live. It's the way of Jesus, and something happens to you when you get to be a part of that for someone else. So um, I would love it if everybody would start to plan, when are we going to serve? Uh, you're not just serving our church. You're actually serving our city. We're just providing you the opportunity. So um, thank you, everybody, for doing that. Now, With that said, we are going to wrap up our Heroes series with a story that has always been one of my more favorite Bible stories, Uh, and I think it's so relevant to uh, how we live today and what we see happening, at least in this time in history in America, and it addresses a tension that I think many of us uh, live in, and so... Um, In fact, since this is the last week, instead of have one hero, we're going to have three heroes. Because in their story, in the book of Daniel, they're lumped together. Uh, And if you've ever heard the story, you may know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. uh, Or if you go with the original names, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. More on that in a minute. Um, But what I want to invite you into is, even if you know the Bible story... There is actually so much happening around this story and in, when you know the world in the context that I think it has so many uh, connections and applications to how we live. And so um, basically the, uh, the whole theme of the book of Daniel, this, this story is found in the book of Daniel, the whole theme of the book of Daniel is how do I live in a culture or society and how do I remain faithful to God when the culture around me is not just indifferent but actually opposed to my way of living? How do I live in a culture and stay faithful to God in a culture that is indifferent or even opposed to the way I'm living? And I think that's the tension that many of us face uh, I'm, I'm 40, uh, 41 years old. I was born into America at the time when it was known as a Christian nation. Uh, over the last 41 years, we are now known as a post-Christian nation. Like that is that is not a, a death sentence. It is a reality. And so now um, I, we live in a time where most of the world and the culture around us doesn't actually, uh, is, is more less indifferent and even more opposed to some of our ways of living. Uh, and so how do we do that? And what's the tension? And that there's so much in that in this book. And so If you were here two weeks ago, I preached on Queen Esther, and and I gave you this background, and it's true again today, that common in the days, the there and then of this story, common in the days of... of the, the, these stories were written, is there was command and conquer, and nations would overcome nations. And when a nation took over another region or a nation, they would usually kill most of its original inhabitants. They would keep a select few, usually the young, the best, the brightest, uh, and an opportunity to, to serve under their rule. And if they liked how they served, they would keep you. And if they didn't like how you would serve, they would just discard you. This is absolutely the setting of this story. What you need to know is Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, they're like four buddies. They're, they're Israelites. They're Jews in the holy city of Jerusalem, living out the promise of God. But they their whole community, their whole nation, has for generations disobeyed many many of the ordinances of God. They've continued to ignore His grace. They've continued to ignore His warnings. They've continued to just live however they wanted to live. And and God finally says, if this is not good, you're going to end up exiles in a foreign land. And that's where we pick up this story right here in Daniel chapter one. Verse one, let me set up the story for you. So it says this, uh, and in fact, this is the last king ever in the the nation of Israel still to this day. So there's a little history for you. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, overtook it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand along with some of the articles from the temple of God. There he carried off to the temple to his God in Babylon and put them in the treasury of the house of his God. Verse three. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief uh, uh, of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and of nobility, the royal family, young men without any physical defect, handsome, and showing aptitude for every kind of learning. Like, that excludes way too many of us at that point right there. Like, don't look around. You don't need to look around. Uh, Well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's Palace in the king's palace. These are all details we'll get into in a minute. He was to teach them the language and the literature. It should also say religion of the Babylonians. Verse five. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those were chosen were some from Judah: Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Verse seven says this. Then the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he gave the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego.
1: In the year 587 BC, the city of Jerusalem was attacked by the Babylonian Empire. And a year later, the city and the temple were plundered and burned.
2: Thousands of Israelites were taken from their homes and relocated all over ancient Babylon. They became exiles.
1: And so now they are a minority surrounded by a new culture with new gods.
2: Now, some Israelites chose to resist Babylon by revolting or withdrawing. Others gave in, adopting the Babylonian way of life and accepting these new gods as their own.
1: And you might think those are your only two options, but the prophet Jeremiah told them to do something totally different and surprising. To settle in, build houses, plant gardens, grow families, and most surprisingly, to seek the well-being of Babylon and pray to the Lord on its behalf.
2: So, this is like a third way.
1: Yeah, it is not compromise or revolt. What does it look like? Well, there is a whole book of the Bible that explores that question. It is the story of Daniel. Daniel
2: was one of the Israelites taken into the Babylonian exile.
1: And because Daniel had a royal heritage and education, he was recruited along with some friends to work in the high court of Babylon. Work for the enemy? That would be compromise.
2: Or they
1: could gain the king's trust and take him down from the inside. That is what you might expect, but instead they take Jeremiah's advice and choose the third way. They serve the king of Babylon, taking on Babylonian names and even clothing style.
2: So they seek Babylon's well-being. But in doing so, aren't they just giving up their heritage? It could seem that
1: way, but actually they aren't.
0: So pause the story right there. And here's the, the setup has a lot... To do with how this story goes, because what you have to understand is that it helps to put yourself in the shoes of the story. Imagine being a young man, me and one of these three guys, and you are taken from your home, from your land, and you are brought to a foreign land where everything is different. Different religion, different foods, different language, different gods, and the only chance you have of survival is a better way to, no better way to put it, is when in Rome. When in Rome, do as the Romans do, is to get along to go along. And basically they said, you have three years, And if you can learn our religion, learn our language, learn our magic, do our stuff, serve us well, and you can be good at it, we'll keep you, otherwise we will just kind of kill you. And so you have to understand what's at risk here. And at at this moment, it feels like you are losing everything. These guys are taken from their homes. They're slaves in a foreign land. They serve under a foreign king, new language, new religion. And here's what's really interesting. If you do a research, I don't have time to go into their names, All of their names in Hebrew had significant meaning with their their mission and their purpose, and all of their names were changed that were connected now to Babylonian foreign gods. So literally, they were given new names. Literally, they were stripped of their identity. And oh, by the way, when it says they were to serve in the king's court, kings were not interested in having the young men who helped out playing any funny business with the queens or any of the queen's maidens. So what was the surefire way to make sure that didn't happen? You make them all eunuchs. If you don't know what a eunuch is, you can Google it later or your mom will tell you or whatever. And so these guys literally have to learn the new language, the new religion, the new, all the stuff. And their manhood is taken from them. Their identity is taken from them. And it really doesn't look good at that moment. And, and as you saw in the video, it is at this point where the two common options, how do I do this? What do you do when I'm living in some place I don't want to live? Things are not going the way I want them to go. I feel like I have to get a whole new set of friends. I have to learn a whole new language. I have to get a whole new set of jobs. And some of us, maybe many of us, can relate on some level, to this type of idea of like I didn't ask to be here. It's all different. This is unfamiliar. Whether it's I didn't ask to be in this job. I didn't ask to get married to this family. I didn't get asked to get unmarried to this family. Whatever the case may be, and it, and it looks like you're right. And it's like who am I? They're, these guys' identity literally is, a, is is stripped, and their only hope is basically to bail on their inheritance and their heritage and become who the Babylonians want them to be. Uh, and so it looks like the only two options are to either revolt, which is to stand up to the big bad empire, which usually ends up in death or to compromise, to, to just become a Babylonian. And so the question here, and I think the question for us is, when we live in a world that's demanding that we, you know, that we live just like them and it's really anti-God, do we just go with the flow, or do we stand up and just, just pitchfork and fight everybody to death, or is there maybe a third better option? To join the fight, embrace it, whatever the case may be. And here's what's really fascinating, and here's why understanding the kind of the timeline of the Bible happens. Because if you're these three guys, you're going like, man, this is terrible. How did we end up here? We're getting punished for the sins of our ancestors and all this stuff. What's going on? Well, what helps to know is that this very exact moment in another place, there was a prophet, and his name was Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah's job was to hear the voice of God and write letters and tell people what God was saying. Well, in the middle of the book of Jeremiah, it's kind of a longer one, There's this specific time where basically they push pause and God says, hey, I have something very specific for you to tell the people who just got taken from from Jerusalem to Babylon. And it's actually Jeremiah 29, where there's a very popular verse that comes out of that. But it's a very specific letter written to a very specific group of people at at a very specific time. And it addresses the very issue of now that we're in Babylon, how do we do this? Now that everybody around me is losing my mind, now that I, how do I be a follower of God in a, in a culture that's just completely against it? Here's what Jeremiah says. Verse one says, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles, to the priests, prophets, and all the other people that Nebuchadnezzar carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, is there any like room for interpretation there? Like, no, like, well, that could just be about anything. No, it actually can't. It's obviously very clear that God wants to speak something very specific to the people who were in Jerusalem under Jehoiakim and now are under uh, Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, right? And so he goes on and, and, and gives some backstory. And he says, this is what I want you to see, even when it looks like everything is not the way it's supposed to go. When you find yourself in a situation where you're like, I didn't ask to be here, I wouldn't have picked this, God seems absent, guess what? God is always up to something and he always has something to say about it. He has not left you, he's still in the middle of it and if you don't lose faith, if you don't lose hope, if you hold on, if you seek him and not the crazy culture around you, if what he thinks still matters to you, he actually has a plan for you. And here's the plan that he has for them, and it actually would work really well for us even 2,500 years later on the other side of the planet. It says, "This is what the Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon." So there's this, there's this idea that God's in, in the whole thing. Like he's—I I know what's going on. I'm, the one, I'm still involved. I'm still there. I brought you here. He says, "Here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to revolt. I don't want you to compromise." I want you to build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry, have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and daughters and and give them in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number and do not decrease. And this is one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Old Testament. He says, also, seek the peace and the prosperity to the city to which I have brought you to. How do I behave What am I to do when I find myself in a scenario where I'm like, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I sure wouldn't have chosen this. Well, you know what? If God could write you a letter today and say, here's how I want you to navigate that relationship, that job, this land in between of where I thought I was gonna be and where I was, you know what I think he would say? Seek the peace and the prosperity to the city or the region that I have carried you to. Why don't you make sure that you're all about the well-being of the people around you? But God, they're foreigners, Cool. Seek the peace and the prosperity. But God, they, they are taking advantage of us. I hear you. So seek the peace and the prosperity. But they don't believe in you. Awesome. So seek the peace and the prosperity. But God, they're anti-everything. I'm again, they, their king is crazy. Awesome. So seek the peace and the prosperity. We don't even get to vote in this country. So seek the peace and the prosperity there's nobody that looks like me seek the peace there's nobody that sounds like me seek the. there's nobody who's my age here seek the peace and the prosperity see this should resonate with us you know why we're all Floridians nobody's from here (laughs) we all came from somebody else except like one of you like graduated Cape Coral High you're the one So what do we do? Seek the peace. Oh, you mean like 50,000 meals to Haiti, a park for our city, feeding families over the holidays that can't afford it, gonna buy some presents for some kids whose parents maybe have lost a job or incarcerated. We're gonna throw a big Christmas party for 25 straight days for 200,000 people for free. That's what I mean. We're gonna seek the peace and the prosperity. Yeah, already? Some of you guys are ready for this. Yeah, but if you have Santa Claus, that's like compromising. We're gonna seek the peace and the prosperity (laughs) of the city. And maybe if they get on our campus to sit on Santa's lap, maybe they'll come hear about Jesus the following weekend. We know what we're doing. Because we will do anything short of sin to reach Jesus. (laughs) If you're worried, we're not confused about the difference between Jesus of Nazareth and St. Nick. We're, we got it. Like, we are way good on the differences. We're, like, super clear. We're just using Santa to get to Jesus, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> So at face value, it looks like these guys are having either revolt or compromise, yet here's the mission, and here's where you see the delineation, and this is where we can start to apply some things in our lives. Here's where Daniel, and when you see Daniel, you can know this, refer, this also means Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and this is what I love. It says, but Daniel, this is after they changed their name, after they learned the language, after they learned their religion, even their magic, all that stuff. It says, but Daniel resolved, some versions say, in his heart, not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. See, there was a line Daniel was willing to, 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 to draw. And he says, I can learn your language. I can learn your religion. The Babylonian God, Dagon, whatever. But here's what I'm not gonna do. There's some certain things that God said I am not to do and I'm not gonna cross that line. I can, I, he didn't say anything about me. He didn't say anything about me learning your language, fine. Take my manhood, I'd rather keep it, but whatever. But there's some things you're asking me to do that God has already asked me not to do. And so I can't draw a line. And so he says, I'm gonna defile myself. I'm not gonna defile myself. And so here's what Daniel did. And he didn't do it with like, get at me, let's go. He respectfully and humbly went to the leader that he served under from another place that he never would have chosen to serve under. And he says, basically, he says, hey, chief, Mr. Officer guy, I'm just gonna ask you for permission. He says, I actually have a different diet. My God permits me to do this. I, I can't do that. Um, will you allow me? He does it very honorably and humbly and respectfully even though the guy was asking him to do something that was wrong. Watch what happens. Verse. Uh, uh, so basically what happens is, um, fast forward a little bit, the, 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 the guy says, listen, I don't really care, but um, if you don't like, look like the strongest and healthiest version of yourself, then not only are you going to be in trouble, but I'm going to be in trouble with you. And so I need you to be the best version of yourself. And so Daniel's like, okay, well, how about this? I don't want to revolt. I don't want to compromise. How about this? Give us 10 days. Just give me 10 days, let me eat the vegetables and drink the water that my God says for me to eat. He says, after 10 days, you test us. And if me and my boys aren't better than you and your boys, we'll go eat all your stuff and drink all your wine. So the guy's like, 10 days, we got plenty of time, go for it. So they did 10 days. And what do you think happened at the end of the 10 days? If you didn't already read it, at the end of the 10 days, these guys looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the food. And oh, by the way, the verse I'm going to skip says, and because they did, guess what happened? all the other boys started eating their diet and drinking their water. Now, in our Bible, that just means fruits and vegetables, but in the translation and in the application, sometimes when you do the right thing by God and he takes care of you and he blesses you, other people start living according to the way God wants them to live too. They just were trying to do the right thing and, and, and they had no idea that by them honoring God that everybody else was gonna be ordered to live God's way see what happens? God will always bless when you take that stand. When He says, no, I, I wrote this in the Bible for a reason. I've given you my love letter. When you will not compromise, he will honor that. And so here's the end of this. This is kind of how it wraps up. Verse 17 says, And to these four young men, Daniel and the three boys, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into service, Uh, the chief official presented them to King Nebuchadnezzar. The three years was up, and here's what happened. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. And they entered into the king's service. I love this part. And every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. Not just they were the top of the class, they were top of Babylon. Babylon. These three young boys who learned everything new, had their identity stripped because they stayed committed to what God had said to them, didn't bail on God's way. They didn't compromise their their convictions. They didn't compromise the things that God said, these are the things you can't fudge on. All the things that weren't, they weren't negotiating the non-negotiables. They were like, we're not gonna mess with all this other stuff. He promoted them, he presented them, and he made them so much more able to serve in an oppressive kingdom. That's a hard thing to swallow, I think. But he elevated them, why? Blessed to be a blessing. And so, it's right here where we see this beautiful third option. What do we do when we live in a time where we feel like we're in a culture that is just against the way of God, not even indifferent but opposed? Well, maybe perhaps there's this third option and it's going to look really familiar as we kind of break it down and so here's what here was what they were commanded to do, these three things. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were commanded to serve Babylon to seek its well-being and at the same time, remain their loyalty to God. This is the middle ground. This is the third option. I'm gonna use, I'm gonna use a word that, that we've almost lost. This is the nuance. This is the balance. In a culture, I don't know if you've noticed, but a culture on every little thing is actually demanding you take an extreme on one side or the other. It could be Coke versus Pepsi. And you have to like say whatever yours is and duck and hide. We're talking about stuff that doesn't even matter. And we haven't done this. And they have found this third option and to follow Jesus is, is and, and by the way, all this points of Jesus is to, to do this in a different way. And that's, that's the beauty of this. They actually served and sought the well being of Babylon and its kings and its rulers. And they served probably tyrants who worshiped other gods and did everything they weren't supposed to do. And rather than judge them and tell them and complain, whatever, they just said, We're going to advance this, but here's where we're going to, we're not going to, we're not going to defile ourselves against God. We're going to keep praying to God. We're going to eat what he said. To eat. We're going to stay away from what he said stay away from, which by the way, anything in the Bible that God says to do, if you do it, it's better for you. It's not because he's controlling. Anything he says you should stay away from in certain seasons of your life, it's not because he's controlling or a fun spoiler. It's because it's better for you. It'll, your life will be better. Following Jesus makes you better at life and makes your life better. And it's not, so it, it's, when you do that, that's what happens. And so this is what they experience. And so we see that there's this ability that even in a chaotic world where, it's, oh, if you grew up in church, you may know that we're going to hell in a handbasket, whatever that means. <laughs> well, maybe then let's serve and seek their well-being and stay loyal to God. And let's just see if we can't be a little bit of salt, be a little light and serve some people into the kingdom of heaven. If we can't just bless some people into knowing who Jesus is, really is and so here they are and things go well for a while but as you would imagine there's always going to be a tension point where somebody has to win and so let's see how does it play out finding this third option where i'm going to seek the well-being of my city but i'm not going to def- i'm not going to go against my loyalty against god well chapter three it picks up king nebuchadnezzar is everything everything uh, an image of everything about our world that's completely self-absorbed and so he's like i have an idea actually somebody else had the idea He's like why don't we build a 90-foot statue of you He's like, who doesn't love that idea? And put it in the plane where everybody can see it. So King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. It was 90 feet high, nine feet wide. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Um, And then basically here was the edict. Here's the statue. Anytime any of my royal like band come out and play, you all have to bow to our gods and bow to the image. But if you don't, then what's gonna happen is we're gonna crank up a big furnace we got. We're gonna throw you in a fire. So here's where we see the rubber meets the road. I'll learn your language. I'll seek your well-being. But now you're asking me to bow to a different God. You're asking me to bow to your culture. And let's just see what happens. And so the king, so what happens is they come out and they play and everybody bows, thousands and thousands of people. But there's three Jewish boys kind of doing this. Now, how do you think that went over? with the Babylonians who had seen some young Jewish guys promoted over them. Well, have you ever had a young person come into your job that had been there less, knew less, and got promoted over you? How did you feel? Now they're promoted. Well, what do you do? Daddy, they're not playing right. Right? That's what happens. Daniel 3. They came to King Nebuchadnezzar like, hey, king, you need to know this. And I love this part of the story. He says, you need to know there's some Jews who you have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in case you were wondering who, who pay no attention to you, your majesty, suck-ups, They neither serve your gods, nor do they worship the image of the God that you have set up. And so it says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so they were brought before the king. You can imagine the king's like, you gotta be kidding me, but here's the problem. Nebuchadnezzar likes these guys, so he's actually gonna give them a second chance. Well, let's just see how that goes. Verse 14 says, and Nebuchadnezzar said, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve our gods, my gods, or worship the image I have set up? Now, when you hear the music of all the instruments, I need you to fall down to the worship and the image I made, and it will go very good for you. But if you don't, we already told you this, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And here's what I love about the story Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego aren't like, oh man, thank you so much for clearing that up. We were kind of confused about what was supposed to happen. Thanks for the second chance. They're like, you know what? Well, let me make this really easy for you. Watch their response. And this is the type of follower of Jesus, this is the type of faith that I believe is gonna be required for us to continue to glorify God and see people come to know the kingdom in this time in history. He says this, watch, and this is where it starts to get personal. He's like, oh, by the way, I'm gonna throw you in the fire. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Challenge accepted. Watch these guys' response. This is why I love these guys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego applied to him and said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves to you. How do you think that went over, by the way? In this matter, go into the next verse. And if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, here's what we need you to know. The God that we serve, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator of the universe, he is actually able for us to deliver it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't. We still will not bow to your stupid culture. We still will not bow down to your stupid way of living, your stupid dead gods that are unreal. We still will not do the things you say we need to do to get wealthy and be happy and play your games and do this with religion and do this with politics and do this with relationships and all this stuff. We're not gonna join your rat race. We are God is, he created you, dude. Like he's so much bigger than you, it ain't even funny. He could, on the snap of a finger, he could wipe you out and clear us out. We have that kind of faith. But here's what you need to know about us. We know he could do it without trying, but even if he doesn't. Those five words will really challenge your faith when things get hard in a season of life. When the marriage doesn't go the way you want, the business doesn't go the way you want, when something tragic happens and everything in you wants to question everything. This is where we have to summon this right here, but even if. He doesn't. I love, this is why these guys are my heroes. I'd like to think I would do this, but I can't tell you that I would. We know God could save us. They could have just left it at that. They could have just said, we think God will save us. Let's just see what happens. But they went a step further and said, even if he doesn't, we will not defile ourselves. We will not worship your God. We will not bend our knee. We will not bow to a culture that says, be self-indulgent and be greedy and be about myself. No, we serve a God that's bigger than that. We're gonna continue to serve the well-being of your city, but we will not bow bow to anything else because our loyalty lies with God. That's what they said. Even if he doesn't, we will not serve or worship. And so here's what happens. If you don't know the story, I'm gonna paraphrase it. You should go read it. It's pretty cool. cool. He gets so mad, he cranks up the fire like seven times more hot. They throw them in the fire. All the guards who throw them in the fire get burned up. And all of a sudden they look in the fire and these three dudes are fine, except for now there's a fourth guy in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar said, oh my gosh, it looks like the son of the gods. And so we pick up the story and here's what happens. And Nebuchadnezzar like literally loses his mind in verse 27. It says, then they saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of head on their singe. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. The only thing that burned was the ropes that bound them. And here's the aftermath of an even-if-he-doesn't faith. Here's the aftermath. Here's the repercussions of a group of people that would say, I'm going to serve my city, but my loyalty lies with God. I'm going to serve my leaders, but my loyalty lies with God. Here's what happens. He says this. All of a sudden, the very culture, the very people, the very boss, the very neighbors, the very whatever that were against you, that were demanding you do it their way, have changed their tune because they saw something in your God they can't find anywhere else on the planet. And it says this praise, Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied my commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any other God in their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language or say anything ever against the God of Israel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces and their house will be turned into piles of dung, is what it should say. (laughs) For no other God can save this way than the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province.
1: Of Babylon. As you read on, the story focuses on moments where they draw the line and they choose faithfulness to their god and resist the influence of Babylon.
2: So for example?
1: Well, like when they are commanded to bow down to the idol of Babylon and give allegiance to the king as if he's a god. Ah, they won't go that far. Right. This is where you see their true loyalty. It requires them to critique Babylon's idolatry of power, its arrogance, its injustice, but they do it non-violently by laying down their lives. And so God vindicates Daniel and his friends for their faithfulness.
2: So they would serve Babylon, seek its well-being, but their loyalty was always to
0: God.
1: Yeah, this is what Jeremiah was envisioning. And
0: so this is the takeaway for us. What does this mean for us here and now? How do we live in a world and a culture that's constantly pulling us to what Paul says in in Romans, its level of immaturity? It's right here. It's we're going to serve our city or serve Babylon. We're gonna seek its well-being, all the while remaining that our heart and our loyalty remains to God. By the way, do you know what this really looks a lot like? Something Jesus says a whole bunch of years later that are the four words that make up the vision of this church? Love God, love people. This is pointing to the Savior 500 years ahead of time. How do you do that? We're gonna love God and we're gonna love people. And rather than criticize and judge, we're gonna invite them into our kingdom. Rather than revolt, we're gonna serve them. Rather than compromise, we're gonna stand for truth. We're gonna live in the tension. We're gonna manage the tension. We're gonna mess up and get it wrong sometimes. But we have a savior who already died for everything we'll ever do wrong. And he's looking for some people. He's looking for a group of people, I think in this time in history, in our culture, in our world, that would say, I'm not gonna revolt and I'm not gonna compromise. I wanna serve the area. I wanna serve the city, but I'm gonna make sure that my heart, my loyalty stays with God. There are some things I will not draw a line on. And this is what it's gonna mean to expand the kingdom and make a difference in God's kingdom, I believe. And and, and listen, to some of you, you might be in the heat of it. You might be, you might, this might be your story. Like, I feel like I'm in the fire. Everything's going wrong. I feel like I've done everything right and everything's going wrong. Can I just encourage you that sometimes, even if he doesn't, is not only all you have, but it's all you need. Because what happens was the fourth person in the fire was the angel of God. His presence was there he was with them. And sometimes the promise of God being with you, of him staying with you and, and, and you having his blessing in his presence because you continue to, to live the way he's created you to live, as hard as it may seem, is all that you need. And it will get you through the season. But even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to bow. You're going to be given so many options throughout your life to just Make it, take the easy way out and do it the world's way. But God's saying, I wanna bless you and I wanna bless those around you. I wanna bless those through you. I want you to be salt. I want you to be light. I'm looking for some people who will both serve the well-being of their city as well as keep their hearts loyal to me. And so we're gonna take communion. And here's what we're gonna do. It's gonna be a little bit different. You you can get it out, but you don't don't need to do anything different other than if you have it here, the top plastic one gets the, the gross cracker and then the juices underneath. But communion is all about this. It's about remembering Jesus and what he did. See, this whole story points to Jesus because do you know who exemplified this message better than anybody? Jesus in another empire where he was on the wrong side in the Roman Empire. And rather than revolt, he gave his life and he served. And he's the one who said things like, forgive and go the extra mile and turn the other cheek. And we're not gonna go an eye for an eye and a tooth for the tooth, but we're gonna actually pray for those who hate us. And we're gonna, we're gonna actually wish the best for those who wanna use us. And that Jesus gave up his life and died and shed his blood so that any single one of us who would put our faith and our life in him, we would experience eternal life in the afterlife as well as experience how to live his way here on earth. And so when we take the bread and we take uh, the juice, it's reminding us his body and his blood that we're broken. But what the Bible actually teaches us is that before we just do this as a religious activity, that it commands us to examine our hearts, examine ourselves, the Bible says. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have the, the... let's the team come get us sing a, a, just a couple lines of a song that has to do with this story and before we take communion together i just want to give you a minute or two to examine your heart and ask where am i at with god today how does this message apply to me have i spent all my time and energy revolting against maybe an empire and god would maybe say why don't you just serve some people and love me why don't you love some people why don't you tell somebody about jesus are you, have you been being sucked in and you know that there's areas of compromise in your convictions or your morality, or your way of living and you know it's not right and the Holy Spirit's been tapping you on the shoulder and this message is just another like confirmation and God is saying, hey, why don't you come back to like standing up for who I made you to be and you watch how I'm gonna bless you and what I'm gonna do in you and who I wanna reach through you. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've never even given God a chance in your life and he's exactly what you're looking for. If you're here, I'm convinced he's exactly what you're looking for. Jesus is all you've ever needed and he's what you've always been looking for. And the Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that you wanna live for him, that he comes into you and he makes you new and he empowers you to be like him and he starts to transform you. And so as we take communion, maybe as you examine yourself, you can just say a little prayer in your heart saying, God, I'm giving my life to you. We love to introduce people to to God. So whatever you wanna do, I just wanna give you a couple minutes to examine your heart and then I'll come out And then we'll take communion together and we'll pray and we'll close. But before we do, rather than feel pressure to stand and sing, we'll put the words up, but I want you to examine your heart. Where are you at with this right now? These heroes who sought the well-being of the community that they were in, yet their heart and their loyalty remained with God. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with God? Examine that and then we'll take communion in a minute.
3: You've been me. I'll count the joy from every battle. Cause I know that's where you'll be. I'll count the joy of every battle. Cause I know that's where you'll be. There is another in the fire.
0: What I love about this song is it reminds us that even when we feel like we're in the heat of it, that God is there with us. And if we have breath in our lungs, we have hope. And there's more he has for us to do. If you're able physically, would you stand with me and let's take communion together? As soon as I'm done, we're gonna dismiss. I wanna say two things when we dismiss. First of all, if you have some stuff you just need somebody to talk to or pray with, we have a ministry team in the prayer room that would love to talk with you and pray with you. And if you said yes to just, I want to start following Jesus, I want to know more about this, I want to get on this path for the very first time, if that's you, I'd love on your way out for you to grab your phone and just text Cape Yes to nine four I'm going to send you a video, and we just want to help you walk this thing out and surround you uh, and cheer you on as well. So the Bible says that before Jesus went to sacrifice willingly his life on our behalf, that he got the disciples in a room and they had the last supper, and he said as he took the bread and he broke it, And he gave it to each one of them. And he said, I want you to take this and eat it. And every time you do, may you remember my body that was broken on your behalf. So let's remember Jesus's body as we take the bread. And in a like fashion, he grabbed the cup, the wine, the juice, and he passed it around. And he said, this represents my blood that is shed as a sacrifice to cover all of the mistakes you will ever make. And when you take this, may you be reminded that you have been redeemed by grace if you choose me every time you take the juice. Let's take the juice as we remember Jesus' blood shed for us. Jesus, I thank you that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are really just a picture of how you've called us to live and and the boldness that they had, and, and it's such an example of how you walked this earth and then you taught your followers. And so, God, may we follow not just in their footsteps, but maybe follow in your footsteps. God, I pray that you would help us to live in that, that third option of seeking the well-being of the people around us and at the same time, not letting our morality or our convictions be compromised where we can continue to keep our hearts loyal to you. God, we ask that you would use us to not just uh, bless us for ourselves, but that we could be a blessing and add value and speak life and encourage those around us. And God, may we walk out of here being reminded that even if we feel like we're in a fire, that you are always there with us. Thank you for every person here listening and watching. Would you bless them? Would you keep them? And God, would you make your presence known in their lives? In Jesus' name, amen.